and welcome to the sixth episode of Designated, a Herbert Smith Freehills podcast series on sanctions law. My name is Brittany Crosby Banyai, and I'm an associate at Herbert Smith Freehills in our New York office. I'm joined today by my colleagues, Jonathan Cross, a partner in our New York office, and Susanna Cogman, a partner in our London office. In this podcast series, we will discuss the latest developments in the fast-changing world of sanctions law. Each episode, we do a deep dive into a particular sanctions-related topic or event. In this mini-series, we will discuss the recent sanctions measures implemented in several jurisdictions as a response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine throughout several podcast episodes. In this particular episode, we will focus on recent Russian investment restrictions, which could impact Western investors. Today, Jonathan will discuss the U.S. sanctions, and Susanna will discuss the EU and U.K. sanctions. First, I'll turn it over to Jonathan to give us an update on recent U.S. sanctions measures. Yes, thank you, Brittany. So we've seen in recent months uh, the creation of a comprehensive structure of U.S. investment restrictions, which largely prohibit U.S. persons and U.S. companies from making new investments in the Russian Federation. And I'll, I'll run through the kind of brick-by-brick analysis of how that came to be. But to summarize the basic position sitting here today, U.S. persons cannot deal in, transact in, meaning a buy, purchase. There is an exemption for selling if you're divesting. But in essence, U.S. persons cannot deal in new or existing debt or equity issued by entities located in the Russian Federation. And so there's an extremely broad prohibition against any new purchases or dealings in debt or equity of Russian entities, quote unquote, by U.S. persons. Now, in terms of how the different pieces of that came into place, in March of this year, President Biden issued Executive Order 14066, which prohibited new investment in the energy sector of the Russian Federation by a U.S. person. And at that time, the restriction was limited to the energy sector and the definition of new investment essentially required that there be dollars expended in Russia, uh, new money spent in Russia, which constitutes new investment. Uh, In April, uh, President Biden issued a new executive order, Executive Order 14071, which expanded these prohibitions fairly dramatically to cover any new investment in the Russian Federation, not merely its energy sector, by a U.S. person. And the guidance that accompanied that April executive order clarifies that new investment refers to any commitment of capital or other assets for the purpose of generating returns. And uh, subsequent guidance has clarified that new investment covers both new and existing debt and equity, and that it covers any entity that is either organized under Russian law or located in the Russian Federation, and in addition, covers investment in the debt or equity of any entity located outside of the Russian Federation, which derives a predominant share of its revenues from activities in the Russian Federation. So Russian companies are subject to a total new investment prohibition, and non-Russian companies are as well if they derive a predominant share, widely understood to be a majority, of their revenues from Russia. In addition, there are Russian financial sector uh, secondary sanctions, which came into effect in February and May. Uh, applicable to any company which operates in certain sectors of the Russian economy. And so any activity by a non-Russian company which is deemed to be operating in the Russian economy may trigger these secondary sanctions, meaning sanctions may be imposed on the basis of the prohibited dealings. 
So these secondary sanctions apply to non-U.S. persons. And so the sectors that are covered have gradually broadened. In February, these provisions were limited to the financial services sector. Very importantly, in May, sanctions were applied to the accounting, trust and corporate formation services, and management consulting services sectors of the Russian Federation economy. And so consequently, independent of the investment restrictions, if ancillary related to investment or otherwise, there's anything that would count as the provision of management consulting or accounting or trust and corporate formation services to a Russian company, that will be caught as well. In addition, a substantial number of Russian banks have been designated as specially designated nationals under U.S. law, which means all of their property and interests in property are blocked and dealings with them are generally prohibited. And so while, while not directly an investment restriction, this adds a further layer of complexity because any investment having a Russian nexus may also involve sanctioned Russian banks and be prohibited on that basis. And so we've gone in, in the space of a few months from there being essentially no Russian investment restrictions for Americans to there being this fairly complicated, multi-layered set of restrictions, which make it quite problematic and difficult for any U.S. company to invest in Russia directly or indirectly. I just wanted to go back to the secondary sanctions that you mentioned regarding the accounting, trust, and corporate formation services. Are there also primary sanctions that could apply to U.S. persons that would apply with those types of services? Yes, U.S. persons cannot perform accounting, trust, and corporate formation or management consulting services for Russian companies. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you. Now I'll turn it over to Susanna to give us an update on the recent U.K. investment restrictions measures. Thanks very much, Brittany. Uh, so, yes, we have some new and uh, wide-ranging investment restrictions which came into force on the 19th of July this year. Uh, and that's by virtue of the snappily named uh, Russian Sanctions EU Exit Amendment Number 12 regulations. So you probably are aware that the main UK regulation, the um, 2019 regulations, has been amended by a, a series of different statutory instruments. So, so the number 12 regulations introduce new restrictions on investment into Russia by virtue of new regulation 18B of the main regulations. And it addresses a number of different types of investment. So firstly, there's a couple of discrete items. So you can't, as a person subject to UK sanctions, open a representative office or establish a branch or subsidiary in Russia. And you can't directly or indirectly establish a joint venture with a person connected with Russia. And this, this concept of a person connected with Russia is a defined term and in this particular context is a person other than an individual who is incorporated or domiciled in or constituted under the law of Russia, so a Russian company or entity. And I, I just flag that because that term, person connected with Russia, is used elsewhere with a different definition within the regulations, so always important to check in each occasion. Would a person seeking to comply with these UK sanctions be able to divest themselves of any ownership interest or control over a Russian incorporated entity? Yes, they would. And I'll come back to that in a moment, if I may, because I've mentioned the establishing the, the branch or rep office and the joint venture, but there's also a, a broader prohibition on acquisition, but to your question, importantly, not sale of interest in Russian companies. So, um, 
there's a prohibition on the acquisition of a direct or indirect ownership in land or an ownership or control interest in a Russian company or a relevant entity. And a relevant entity is basically a company which has a place of business in Russia, but is not a person connected with Russia. So uh, to take it at its simplest, you can't buy Russian real estate, you can't buy interests in Russian companies, and you can't buy interests in non-Russian companies that have a place of business in in Russia. So, for example, uh, I know a German company with a branch in Russia would potentially be a, a relevant entity. And the concept of directly or indirectly acquiring an ownership interest is a broad one, covers acquisitions of shares, uh, of voting rights, of rights to appoint or remove the board, or of rights to effectively be able to direct the affairs of the entity um, in some other way. But there is an important distinction within the regulation between the direct and indirect acquisition and, and between the acquisition of the Russian company itself and a relevant entity, so a non-Russian company with a Russian business. So where the acquisition is indirect, whether it's of land or an interest in a company, or where what's being acquired is a relevant entity, so the non-Russian company, the acquisition is only prohibited if it's undertaken for a defined purpose. Um, and that purpose is of making funds or economic resources available to a person connected with Russia or for their benefit. Um, so it's slightly convoluted, but the, the intention is therefore to, it seems, enable transactions in relation to investments in non-Russian companies, notwithstanding that they have a presence in Russia, provided that that won't lead to any flow of onward investment into Russia. So back to my example of the German company with a branch in Russia, acquiring that wouldn't be prohibited if no funds or economic resources are thereby made available to or for the benefit of a person connected with Russia. There's also a restriction on providing investment services directly related to any of those activities. And also, I, I think it's important to note that these restrictions are also subject to certain exemptions and licensing grounds. Those include uh, an exemption relating to prior contracts, so contracts that existed when these sanctions uh, were brought into force, allowing the satisfaction of obligations under those contracts subject to um, an obligation to notify um, HM Treasury with at least five working days notice. Um, and there's also an important exemption which um, appears a bit further down the regulation in new reg uh, 60ZZA, which addresses dealing with certain relevant securities as defined, which include those issued by a person connected with Russia or a relevant entity which were admitted to trading on a regulated market or multilateral trading facility prior to the coming into force of the number 12 regulations. Um, so you've got an express exemption in relation to effectively secondary market trading of uh, listed securities, even where those are securities issued by a Russian issuer and therefore would otherwise be a direct acquisition in a, a company connected with Russia. 
of course, trading in Russian issuer securities are going to raise potentially other sanctions issues, but that's the position under these investment restrictions. So that's it in a in a sort of nutshell, although it's a it's quite a big nutshell because uh, the drafting is a little convoluted. Now, Susanna, have there been similar investment related restrictions that have been introduced in the EU? Uh, so yes and no. Uh, we don't, uh, in from an EU perspective, have the same kind of across the board investment restriction. You know, you can't invest in Russian companies um, in the same way as the UK. But there are some specific sectoral restrictions, um, notably a restriction on investments in the Russian energy sector. Uh, I think we discussed that, or my partner Loder in, in Brussels discussed that in one of the earlier um, podcasts in this series. Um, but those restrictions include acquiring new or extending existing participations in Russian companies or third country companies operating in the energy sector in Russia, as defined, um, new loans to those sorts of companies, new joint ventures with those sorts of companies and investment services relating to those activities, again, uh, subject to certain um, licensing grounds. There are also investment restrictions, uh, as you would expect, relating to Crimea and Sevastopol and the Donetsk and Luhansk oblasts of Ukraine, uh, as well as Belarus, um, and then rather like the UK position, a quite complex array of uh, financing and securities related sanctions, things like listing securities of Russian issuers, providing clearing services by CSDs to Russian persons, uh, issuing securities denominated in EU member state currencies, deposit restrictions, bank designations, de-swifting and, and so on, all of which could have an impact on investment type transactions, depending on the uh, structure and detail of the particular deal. But that was a, a long winded way of saying um, no, no across the board, uh, exactly equivalent investment restriction, but some that would affect some particular sectors and locations. Are there any other types of restrictions which clients and investors need to be aware of in the UK? Uh, yes, there are in particular the existing restrictions relating to lending to Russian companies and dealing in securities issued by Russian companies, uh, which are regulations uh, 16 and 17 of the 2019 regs, will very often be relevant to uh, these sorts of transactions, depending on the particular deal structure. And the restrictions on providing funds or financial assistance relating to particular types of goods and services could also be relevant depending, again, on the type of business that you're investing potentially in or probably not investing in if you're subject to these sanctions and given the new investment restriction. Um, there's also, for those lending and securities type uh, sanctions, slightly different tests, as I was alluding to earlier, as to what a person connected with Russia is than for the investment restrictions. So uh, important to, to check on that. There's also a significant new set of or newish set of restrictions, which uh, are often relevant in this area which is the uh, restrictions relating to the provision of professional and business services. So the number 14 regulations uh, came into force on the 21st of July this year, and they introduce a prohibition on providing 
the following types of services to a person connected with Russia. So firstly, accounting services. So that's things like um, review of annual and interim financial statements, uh, compilation of financial statements, uh, other accounting services and bookkeeping. Secondly, business and management consulting services. And thirdly, public relations services. Again, uh, some exceptions, uh, including where the provision of those services is uh, in relation to the discharge or compliance with a UK statutory or regulatory obligation and subject to certain time limits and notification in relation to the performance of pre-existing contracts. But those professional services restrictions are often uh, relevant in this context. Uh, they're very broad ranging. Uh, and actually one of the points which uh, is coming up for us quite often is whether they could impact uh, intra-group services. So, for example, a UK parent providing services to a Russian subsidiary. And that's not completely obvious on the face of the regulations. And the government, when it articulate the purposes of these restrictions, talked about stopping Russian oligarch access to world-class professional services firms. Nonetheless, it seems that that may be covered subject to the fact that the government guidance on the sanctions notes that it may issue licenses for uh, the provision of services to a person connected with Russia by a UK parent company or a UK subsidiary of that parent company. And so it seems to be looking at those sorts of intergroup services as licensable rather than exempt. And perhaps relatedly, a license may also be granted for services required by non-Russian business customers in order to divest from Russia or to wind down other business operations um, in Russia. I was just curious if the EU has an equivalent of the professional services measures that you just mentioned. It does indeed. It has in Article 5N of uh, Regulation 833-2014, which is the main EU-Russia sanctions regulation that sits alongside the asset freezing regulation. So Article 5N prohibits um, the provision directly or indirectly of accounting, auditing, bookkeeping or tax consulting services or business and management consulting or PR services to um, the government of Russia or uh, legal persons, entities or bodies established in Russia. Uh, but for the EU perspective, there are slightly different exemptions and carve-outs, and those do enable the provision of uh, intergroup services in a way which it appears the UK does not. The other aspect of the EU services, which is sort of in this general space, is in relation to trusts. Uh, so the fifth Russia EU sanctions package included uh, a new prohibition on registering, providing a registered office, business or administrative address or management services to trusts or similar legal arrangements, which have trustors or beneficiaries uh, effectively who are, who are Russian. And there's a prohibition on acting as a trustee, nominee, shareholder, director, secretary or similar uh, for such a trust. Again, certain wind down provisions, certain licensing grounds, certain exemptions, uh, but quite a, a significant set of restrictions in that regard.
Thanks, Susanna. Before we conclude, I wanted to give you and Jonathan an opportunity to provide any final observations, comments, or predictions. So perhaps we can start with Jonathan if you have any closing remarks. Sure, yes, thank you. Yeah, I, you know, I think a few takeaways from the new U.S. restrictions would be that uh, new investment includes existing investment, meaning unlike some other uh, historic U.S. investment restrictions, these restrictions cover secondary market dealings in the debtor equity of Russian companies. And that potentially is a trap for the unwary because someone buying from a non-Russian seller of an existing pre-sanctioned security may not think I'm making a new investment in Russia, but that is the case under the law as it stands. There are also some significant implications potentially for transactional due diligence uh, for any transaction involving a Russian company in terms of, for example, you know, if there is a non-Russian entity in, in, in the bundle of, of companies being acquired, wh what is its percentage of, of revenues from Russia? And applying that predominance of revenue standard for when a company is treated as a Russian company. There's also the potential for a company not currently subject to Russia investment restrictions to become subject to those restrictions because its activities have changed so that a predominant portion of its revenues does derive from Russia. And so we may see investors wanting representations, warranties, or covenants that a company they're investing in won't get into a position where it is predominantly deriving revenues from Russia and therefore its securities are restricted. The other big area that I would describe as a potential trap for the unwary would be the management consulting and accounting and trust and corporate formation services restrictions, because there can be a variety of commercial contracts that you might not think of as management consulting contracts, which include an embedded element of something that would be considered management consulting. So an example might be an exclusive distribution agreement where a U.S. company is selling something that is legal to export to Russia, but that might include provisions for consultation about the sales strategy or for approval of the marketing plan, and those things might be viewed as management consulting services. So, you know, in some, Russia is a much more difficult jurisdiction for U.S. persons and U.S. companies to engage with uh, than was the case uh, a year ago, um, and, and there are a number of areas in which these restrictions may have unexpected impacts, and it's very important to be very careful at evaluating the sanctions risks of any dealings uh, directly or indirectly with Russia if you're a U.S. person. Thanks, so those John. are my closing comments. Thanks. Susanna, did you have any closing remarks to add? Perhaps just to say that we are slightly out of step, as will be apparent from what I've said, between the EU and the UK now. So we are sort of looking forward to parallel further sanctions in each. So in particular, um, the trusts related sanctions have been announced, but not yet introduced in the UK, rather like the uh, long awaited uh, deposit restrictions, which were announced, um, I think, in March or April this year, and we, we still haven't got. So uh, further developments there. And uh, of course, the UK and US investment restrictions beg the question of whether we might have a broader based investment restriction in the EU in due course. So it continues to be a bit of a, a moving feast, as well as the existing restrictions increasing in complexity. I think Jonathan's done such a, a great job of summarising the the US ones. I, I won't try and do the same for the UK, but it does bear close analysis on any Russia-related transaction because, uh, as Jonathan says, there are kind of traps for the unwary and the sanctions can often crop up as relevant in matters that you might not think of as being uh, an investment in Russia.
Well, thanks again, Jonathan and Susanna, for joining us. Jonathan, where can people find you? Yes, uh, I'm reachable. My email address is Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N dot cross, C-R-O-S-S at H-S-F dot com. And uh, that's probably the best way to reach me, but I can also be reached uh, via the usual contacts through our New York office. Susanna, where can people find you? And similarly, S-U-S-A-N-N-A-H dot C-O-G-M-A-N, Susanna.Cogman at hsf.com or via our website or any of your normal um, HSF contacts. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Designated, a Herbert Smith Freehills podcast on sanctions law. If you liked what you heard today, please leave a five-star review on iTunes and hit the subscribe button. We will have great new guests and discussion on each new episode, and we don't want you to miss out. As a reminder, this podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only and is not legal advice. If you'd like to learn more about sanctions law or have any other questions, please feel free to contact us.